Hello and welcome back to another episode of Franklin Covey's newest weekly podcast called C-Suite Conversations with Scott Miller. That's me. I'm privileged each week to host now two podcasts for the Franklin Covey Company. Each Tuesday, we release an episode called On Leadership with Scott Miller. And on Thursdays, because I was bored, we had to launch a second podcast that's done extraordinarily well, helping people understand what's it like to work in the C-Suite. What are the leadership competencies, the EQ and IQ skills required to not just secure but keep a position inside the C-suite? And today, our guest is Abigail Pringle. She is the president of Wendy's International and is the chief development officer, multi-decade career with the brand we all love and know from Dave Thomas, Wendy's across America. Welcome in the world. Welcome, Abigail, to today's podcast. Oh, it's great to be with you, Scott, and thanks so much for inviting me. So we have a little bit in common in that, like you and I, we've had kind of two big organizations we've worked with in our careers. I started my career at the Walt Disney Company and worked there for four years until they invited me to leave. And then fortunately, the Franklin Covey Company hired me, and I've spent 26 years with them. Similarly, you've had the bulk of your career at two organizations. Talk a bit about your career journey, Abigail, both um, at Accenture and some of the roles that you've led inside of Wendy's to now be the president of their international division, and as I said before, their chief development officer. Well, uh, first, I think uh, start with I grew up in Maine and went to college uh, at a school called Denison University. Sure. I'm a big fan of liberal arts and uh, maybe wouldn't guess my major from what I'm doing now in my current role, but I was a religion and sociology anthropology major. And um, that led to my work with Anderson Consulting. Uh, it was a great uh, six years working uh, in the technology sector and, um, and a wonderful foundation really for my career around technology, how it could enable a business. Also um, around change management, right? How do you make an organization and help facilitate change and go through transformation? So it was a great um, start of my career. I was lucky that a, a Denison grad actually uh, had worked at Anderson and recruited on campus. And that was a great start to the first six years of uh, the start of my career. And then pivot to the Wendy's organization. Talk about some of the highlights of your career there and then we'll go deeper. Yeah. Well, first, I started actually as a manager of IT 20 years ago. Um, and interesting, over that 20 years, sort of a bird's eye view, I've had about five different roles from manager of IT now to the uh, president of international and chief development officer and really had um, a lot of opportunities to be in technology, in operations, strategic planning, um, and then really got into the world of what we call restaurant development. And for those of you that may not know, those are things like design, construction, engineering. And then really with our Wendy's business, it's primarily a franchise business. And so really got exposure to working with franchisees across the system and really helping you know, bring the brand to life in every one of our restaurants. So it's been a great um, sort of zigging and zagging on different roles across the 20 years that I've been here. Abigail, let's talk about Wendy's for a moment. Obviously we're all customers to some extent, perhaps the best fries in the industry and certainly the Frosties and the chili and the baked potato. I mean, you know, the whole thing. So uh, reorient all of our listeners and viewers to the foundation of Wendy's, maybe Dave and the, the core of the company more than just as we know it, you know, from eating there. But this is a really mission driven organization. Talk a bit about some of the, the history of Wendy's. 
Yeah, I think it's a great question. It's actually one of the reasons I've stayed as long as I have um, with Wendy's is, is the culture. And um, Dave Thomas started the brand in 1969. So it's been, you know, more than 50 years, which I think says a lot about a great brand and a brand that's consumer focused uh, to be able to not only uh, do well through all that time, but also to be thriving and growing and having a great, I think, high potential future as well. Um, the brand is really values based, you know, do the right thing. Uh, quality is our recipe. You see that sometimes on our, our restaurants and, um, you know, on some of our messaging, um, you know, pay it forward, always do the right thing and, and pay back to others. And, you know, Dave Thomas was actually adopted. Uh, he was an orphan and was adopted. And a big part of our mission is also about giving back to helping kids find forever families through the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. So importantly, I think you have to have a connection to that bigger purpose, um, to the brand, the values that you have. Um, and that's what I've stayed with is the people that are here and the, and the way that we treat each other and, and continue to be able to take a brand that I think does have great frosties and, and great hamburgers and great uh, you know fresh beef um, to really bring it to customers in a way that's exciting and fun. Abigail, when you think about what I might call the fast food industry, perhaps there's a better name or a different name for that, you think of kind of the big three, right? McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's. And there are others like that are, you know, up and coming and certainly, you know, Subway and, and the sub shops and Chick-fil-A. But there's kind of the big three, if you will. Wendy's obviously stands alone for some of the reasons we know, right? The, the quality of their food, although we all probably eat at certain places at, with different tastes. Um, talk about how Wendy's is different than perhaps your key competition in terms of your, fr your franchise model, perhaps how you develop leaders. What differentiates Wendy's that the average consumer wouldn't know, but that someone who worked there would? Well, I think starting from the outside in, I think customers, you know, we talk about um, made to order, the idea that we actually have real kitchens, you know, it's not all pre-made and packaged, it's actually a real kitchen. And it's one of the things that I was surprised by when I, you know, do my restaurant training or when I first started with the business is it's a real kitchen. I mean, we really make food, we hand chop our lettuce and make our tomatoes and fresh beef comes in, it's never frozen. So those are things that I think that um, show the difference in terms of just giving a little more quality and attention to detail that, um, I appreciate as a, a foodie, um, but also importantly, what I, I don't think everyone knows is how we treat each other and the people and the culture. And I do think there are some wonderful organizations out there. And yes, many of the competitors you mentioned, um, you know, have great cultures. But I think the thing that's unique to Wendy's is, um, you know, how we treat each other and how we support our broader franchise system. And our franchisees, I think, are one of the best uh, parts of our, our business is continuing to invest in the brand and to their teams, um, create great career opportunities. You know, I I think, uh, I think about any other industry where you can start without even a college degree and work your way up and become, you know, a general manager or a district manager or really create a career of managing a whole bunch of restaurants and maybe even becoming a franchisee yourself. So I think those are the things that um, I think are special, but also, um, you know, that it has such a great history, but also such an important and high potential future. You know, when I think of Wendy's, I also think of Twitter because I think Wendy's mm -hmm. has really set the stage for its engagement with your customers via social media, mainly Twitter. For all those that are listening that may not know what I'm talking about, would you maybe give us a tutorial on how Wendy's has perhaps even better than some other competitors leveraged social media? Why and how? And what are the risks with perhaps the level of empowerment that your organization has had when it comes to branding and communicating, connecting through social? 
Well, I think it's important that we definitely have, you know, a pretty um, well-known social presence, as you mentioned on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And I think importantly, we always connect back to who we are as a brand. What is our DNA? And I think importantly, the team that we empower to manage our social media knows who Wendy's is. You know, we're sassy, cheeky brand. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, we don't put others down, but we do point out and we take advantage of opportunities when we can point out how Wendy's has got your back, that we um, are not going to let you down, that we, um, the things I mentioned before, right, the quality, the attention to detail we have with our ingredients, the, the care we give in the preparation of your food made to order when you order it. So we have some fun in telling that story, but doing it in a way that is um, at the heart a challenge challenger brand. We are a challenger brand as Dave Thomas started us. And we knew that uh, when he started the brand, he knew he didn't at the time want to be the biggest, but he always wanted to be the best. And he wanted to be able to um, have some fun doing it and take on the big competition. So you can't be afraid of the big guys, uh, those other guys, and you have to be able to have fun doing it. And social media is a fun way to kind of engage with customers. And I think the thing the team does so well, and that is connected to the brand, is that we talk to customers about what's true and relevant in their lives. Um, one of my favorite tweets is when a student wrote, can you help me with my math homework? And, you know, Wendy's responded and said, give me the problem. And we helped them with their, you know, the math equation. So things that are true and honest in everyday uh, people's lives, and we connect with them in that way. It's a great story. Uh, let's revisit your own career, Abigail, for a few minutes. If I have this kind of directionally right, you went to Denison, you were a religion major, I think you said sociology or something in that, in that realm, and then you pivoted out to uh, uh, Accenture, or at the time, Anderson, and uh, had an interest in IT, became like an IT manager at McDonald's, and now, let's just clarify this, you started as a religion major in college 30-plus years ago-ish, and now you are the president of Wendy's International and the chief growth officer. What do you make of that? What's the insight for people who are perhaps at the front end of their career, their career, and perhaps they're bouncing around and they're feeling accidental or they want to be more deliberate, they're not a chemical engineer or they're not an anesthesiologist, right? They don't have a credential like that. What are some of the lessons you might share with others on the ascent of their career as you learn from your own maybe not episodic, but somewhat, you would argue that, you know, I'm going to guess you didn't think you'd become a member of the C-suite at Wendy's when you were studying religion at Denison. Yeah, no question. I didn't uh, at any shape or form think of that. I honestly wasn't sure, you know, what I wanted to do even within business. And so when I first graduated, um, I was really thankful that Anderson and then Accenture at the time really took a leap on a great um, student. And I think I remember asking the person who interviewed me, why'd you hire me? And he said, well, you're a critical thinker. Um, you know how to learn. And I think that's true even when I look at um, the people who I love working with now, that they've found a way throughout their career to constantly be a learner, um, having a learner growth mindset. And that's something I think that's a uh, part of my management style. I'm always learning. I'm always asking questions. I'm curious, insatiably curious. And I think my education and my early career um, in consulting, I think, led to that and really helped um, sort of polish those skills um, and really, you know, thinking about things critically. Um, and I don't know about you, but in the business world, I don't know what, you know, business schools taught 20 years ago, but things have changed. You know, what we teach um, even on technical skills or what the different coding and things I did, you know, 20 
plus years ago um, have now changed. I mean, my first job right out of school, I was programming C++ and COBOL. I can assure you that they did not teach that in religion classes. So it was a straight shoot you know, to the moon in terms of learning, but you figure it out and you ask good questions and you can adapt as you go along in your career. When you say C++, are you referring to my high school transcript or is that like a computer code? Because that sounds vaguely familiar to me no <laughs> and my parents, I'm sure. Hey, let's talk about the pandemic. Uh, we are not post-pandemic. Stop saying that to anybody who put that into your vocabulary the last few months. COVID is still ravaging the world, hopefully less so with the impact. But I'm guessing that like all businesses, uh, Wendy's was COVID impacted can you talk a bit about some of the milestones of, as the president of Wendy's International, where COVID was impacting different countries, obviously differently, and different protocols and different government reactions. Will you maybe think through, Abigail, some of the key pivot points and milestones? As the president of the global division, what are some of the challenges that you had to work through? Maybe share a couple of them with us. And how has it changed you as a leader? Yeah. Yeah, there's no question. I will say it was an interesting seat to have looking across the world. We have about 31 countries, um, just north of a thousand restaurants. Um, and so you could see um, the first big milestone, of course, we can all relate back to is that March of 2020. Um, and I can say I can remember back that I had actually, we have restaurants in Japan, we have restaurants in parts of Asia, um, and we started hearing about this virus um, early on. And I remember talking about it with others thinking, well, that's that, that virus that's you know overseas, is that ever gonna yeah. come back here? And I don't think we could have ever, any of us anticipated whatever transpired. Um, and you know, I think a big, you know, big milestone was really that early stage effort that all of us face, which is okay, um, lockdown, closing you know, businesses, working from home, and really um, trying to figure out what is the impact to the business. And for us, you know, 30 different countries with different government responses, different impacts from a cultural standpoint, different ways that government got involved from a uh, support financially, subsidies, um, you know, financial support, very different response. Um, and so we had to work with our franchisees. We had to work with the team to really figure out what was the right solution for every one of those countries, but still be Wendy's, be true to who we are as a brand. And most important that came to mind was our people, right? How do we take care of our people? How do we make sure everyone's safe? How do we make sure that we can help have them um, have the tools that they need to be able to navigate this and keep communicating? Right. Importantly, we realized that we didn't have all the answers. And I think anyone as a leader that thinks they do, um, I think we're foolish. And I think having humility and realizing that we're all in this together, um, that we uh, need to figure out as we go, check and adjust um, and communicate along the way. And so importantly, those were a lot of things in the, I would say, that first early stage. And then fast forward where we realized Importantly, I brought my team together often and I said, we need to take this disruption and find ways to create opportunities. How do we adjust? How do we help our teams do things differently and take this um, in some ways as silver lining to what we could do differently? And so most of our international restaurants um, did not have drive-throughs like we do in North America. So we had to make adjustments to do things like curbside and looking at mobile ordering, delivery, different ways we could engage the customer. Um, and we were able to navigate it well. And then I think even more recently, we've had to change and adjust again. And, and now, you know, with markets opening up, 
now trying to adjust with new rules, new guidelines, vaccinations, and make adjustments again. So it's definitely been one where we don't have all the rules or the playbook, but I think staying true to your values, communicating, and empowering your team to really bring their ideas to you and to help navigate that, I think, has uh, helped us navigate well. Uh, well said. How has it changed your leadership style? Let's just say pre-pandemic, whatever year that was, right? Pre-pandemic. Uh, I used to think of things like, you know, pre and post college or pre and post marriage or pre and post kids. Now it's, of course, pre and post pandemic. How are you different as a leader? What, what's changed about you? Are you more patient? Are you more deliberate? How are you different? Yeah, I think one thing that I realize has been that I think the world of flexibility has, I think, changed the way I lead and I think the team um, leads as well. You know, I, I have to laugh when I look back, uh, you know, probably February of 2020, uh, all of us in the senior leadership team got together. This is before, of course, lockdown or any of the things we thought might be coming. And we talked about getting into a hybrid work environment. We talked about doing more virtual and having flexibility in our lives. And at that time, um, you know, hindsight being 2020, but at that time we said, no, we're not quite ready for it. And, you know, three weeks later, obviously things changed for us. And I think for me as a leader, um, I really have seen it be that silver lining that has allowed us to all have flexibility. Uh, for me, I have, you know, two kids. I have a, a college uh, student and I also have a nine-year-old. So 10 years between my two kids and um, being home in the morning and taking my early morning international calls, you know, at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. I don't rush to the office anymore. I can take those from home and um, say goodbye to my daughter in the morning. Um, I can be able to go into the office as needed, travel, and then come home and be able to be there even um, for family events or, you know, school events. So I think flexibility um, really has been something that I think has changed all of us, but for me, particularly on my own personal life in my family, which I think has been a really good thing. And I think it's here for me and for, I think, Wendy's uh, here to stay. You mentioned flexibility a lot. I would definitely say that that's a leadership competency. It's a professional competency, right, to be an agile thinker and be emotionally nimble. Would you build on that? Would you maybe give a little bit of a mini masterclass right now on people that are looking to become a member of the C-suite, whether it's the CFO or the CIO or the COO, CMO, you name it. Uh, what are some of the what are some of the human competencies? I didn't say leadership, but what are some of the human competencies that you really look for when you're promoting someone, when you're moving someone up in the organization? I think first that comes to my mind is probably a mistake I made actually early in my career, which was um, I'm you know my management style is very driven, I'm high energy, um, I love achieving things, getting things done. Um, and I love setting big, bold vision. Um, and I thought that I could get everyone as excited about that with their minds, you know, convince them around big goals and things we wanted to accomplish. And what I learned is that I needed to win their hearts before their minds. And I think that you need to create, you know, great followership. You need to show people that you're a human and that you have your own faults. You have your own um, mistakes that you've made along the way. Um, and you need to also talk about your whole life, you know, your family and, and your life outside of work and be approachable to people. Yeah. And that was a big learning for me that I feel that, um, you know, it's I think always takes a dedication to stay uh, strong in that uh, and always remember that. But I think that's one big uh, piece of advice I would give to folks that want to continue to be in the C-suite. And frankly, even those that are in the C-suite need to be reminded of that, as I do always, just to be able to lead with your heart and your mind and bring people along um, and also be you know, a real, you know, person and showing that. And I think the more that I've shown my whole self, I think people have been able to confide 
in me, share with me when they disagree with me, um, and talking about where we need to go. And then they're all in on the big goals and the vision that you want to take them to. It's a great point of view, right? You basically just gave the, the reason why being relatable is such a new leadership skill also. People want to be able to relate, relate to their leaders. They want to be able to have a real conversation, recognize that you too have a, a child who's struggling or an in-law who's struggling or a bill you can't fully pay. may or may not be everyone's case. I do think individualized leadership is going to be crucial, you know, kind of, you know, whenever post-pandemic comes, but even now during the pandemic. Hey, let's talk a little bit about what's the future look like for Wendy's. What should we be looking for, looking to see in the coming years from your organization? Well, I think very exciting that we're, we're very growth oriented and we've shared uh, something that's near and dear to my team and, and my heart is to grow the brand and our global footprint. So we have about a thousand restaurants I mentioned today. Um, we landed last year with around 1.4 billion in sales um, and around 31 markets. And we've set a big vision to really grow the brand to 8,500 to 9,000 restaurants by 2025. So we're excited about doing that, growing in different international markets, um, growing in the US as well. And so that's a big part of our, our growth. And also I think importantly, not just our footprint, but growing our digital business. And so how do we create access to the brand in new and exciting ways? And I'm I'm sure many of your listeners are working on the same thing, right? How do we change the digital landscape? How do we think about things from a digital first mindset? Um, how do we look at delivery, mobile? How do we think about new ways of engaging with technology to make our employees' lives easier as well as our customers' lives easier? And I think also importantly for us, uh, for Wendy's, we launched uh, the breakfast day part in the U.S. Um, right uh, at the uh, beginning of the pandemic in the U.S. And we just launched the Canadian breakfast uh, this year. So we're pretty excited about um, how that's going. And we think there's a lot that can be done around our day part uh, expansion. So a lot of growth and I think creates opportunity for people in their careers um, and ways that we can uh, create development and um, great experiences for all of our employees. Abigail Pringle serves as the president of Winnie's International Chief Development Officer. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you taking the time to invest in our listeners and our viewers. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much, Scott. Look All forward to breakfast at Wendy's in the future, and we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on C-Suite Conversations with Scott Miller.